hijacked by Jesus. Sorry, that was a, just a powerful challenge. I almost feel like saying, amen, go and do likewise, go home. That's a powerful message. Uh, but I better share my message, too, that I have prepared. But that's, uh, that was just a powerful challenge. And thank you, Judy, and all who participate in this ministry of mercy. Remember when Jesus came, he just not came to preach the word, but he also practiced it. And we find that whatever village Jesus went into, whatever person he came across into his path, one thing we know about him was, and he had compassion on them. And so should we, and will we. And thank you, deacons, as well, for your part in the ministry of mercy. We're going through these, these ten words, these, these ten commandments, and this morning we come to the eighth commandment as we seek to be holy because he is holy, which deals, of course, with that simple statement and command of, you shall not steal. Boys and girls, this is talking about being a thief or being a robber. Now, it's not talking about certain things that we, we steal, like stealing a kiss or stealing second base. Or maybe you've heard, uh, for those of you who bowl, I've got robbed! And it's not a matter either of what I'm often accused of, of robbing the cradle. Now, those are forms of stealing, but not the kind of stealing the scripture is talking about. To steal, in this sense, is talking about taking something from somebody that belongs to them without their consent. Taking something, and boys and girls listen to, because I know at your age, when I was five, I took something that belonged to somebody else, without their consent, and the store clerk got a hold of me when I was five years old. Taking something that belongs to somebody else without their consent. I'm going to talk about this morning three ways that, that we steal. The first two are going to be rather familiar, but the third way you may, may have to pay a little more attention to it because it's the kind of stealing that many of us are often doing that we forget is stealing. First of all, uh, just stealing in secret. And this can be, boys and girls, when you go to the cookie jar and you weren't given permission to take that cookie or something that is in the house that you're not supposed to have, but you go in the refrigerator and get it without telling mother or father or, or whoever may be taking care of you. There's that, that kind of stealing, like stealing from the cookie jar. We, we can steal from the government. So easy to steal from the government when it comes to things like... Um, writing down what, what we actually made monetarily-wise for the year, intentionally skipping some things and not putting them in that plan, but what's really cheating on our taxes, or, or it, it may be not be reporting uh, all the income that you've made. We can steal from our employer. I had a good friend, well, not a good friend, she was a friend that I went to high school with, and after 15 years of working as a, a uh, the bookkeeper in a business in Holland. Uh, she was found guilty of embezzlement, hundreds of thousands of dollars over her 20 years. Uh, that's stealing. Um, it may be stealing from a business, shoplifting, taking something that belongs to somebody else without their consent. It, it might be a copyright infringement, which I had to be careful about over the years. 
when I was working in, with, with, as a music pastor as well in a lot of the churches I served, I had to be careful, and someone would often warn me. I, they would say something like, you know, I think that that pic that you showed with the song and the words or the, or the, or the notes, it says on the bottom, copyright. Did you get permission to put that up there? That's a form of stealing. It might be a fraudulent phone call that you receive. Someone claiming to be from your bank and something's happening and, and you need to either give them this information or that information in order for things to be corrected, but they're not really from your bank. It may be someone claiming to be from Social Security. It may be someone claiming to be from the IRS and that you still owe them money and you should send it right away. It might be, and I was surprised how this happens more than what I'm aware of. Uh, yeah, uh, hi, we're, we're, I'm the... Uh, uh, one of the officers at a jail in California talking to a grandparent, and we have your grandson here, and he's in jail, and he'd like to get out and come home, and if you send X amount of dollars, we can get him out of jail and he can come home. And there are actually grandparents and others who fall for that scam. Then, of course, there's what's more and more common today, and of course, this will never happen to you, but stealing someone's identity. You know, when you get this thing that says, I've been hacked. And you got to quick tell other people that you've been hacked because they want to steal your identity and information. Uh, that happened to me uh, two weeks ago, and I, and I learned this, this whole new thing, what, what phishing is. And I'd never heard of this before. You can read it, a cyber, a cyber crime in which a target is contacted by email, telephone or text, by someone posing as a legitimate institution or person to lure individuals into providing sensitive data such as personal identification information, banking, credit card details, and passwords and the like. And may I take a moment to thank you for all of you who sent me credit cards. Uh, and not just credit cards, but gift cards. And thank you actually for not sending them because that was a scam. And I've gotten uh, any number of phone calls from any number of you saying, we'd love to go pick up these cards. What, what can we do with them and where can we send them for you? And I have to say, I didn't. Right? That's this, that scam that goes on. These are all forms of secret stealing. Things done in secret, behind the scenes, kind of like when nobody is looking. This goes on. All forms of secret stealing, taken without consent, is a form of breaking this commandment. Another way of breaking this eighth commandment of stealing is, is by stealing forcefully. And probably any number of us here this morning would not be found guilty of any number of these. But there could be. But this as well does not necessarily speak to us. This has to do with violent thefts or violent robberies. And this is the kind of stuff we hear. And just you know, live in Indiana for these seven years or so and here in the Chicago news every morning. This is the kind of stuff you hear almost Every day, if not weekly, this kind of stealing. Uh, one of them, of course, is this, this ongoing attack of Russia on the Ukraine and taking away their property. This is really what the Old Testament thing was going on and why this commandment was needed, because people were stealing property from other people in, in the Israel camps. Russia says, that property belongs to me. I'm going to take it without consent as a form of stealing. A breaking and entry. Home invasions, 
Uh, it might be breaking into your vehicle. My sister, maybe three, four, five months ago when she was in Tennessee, had someone break the window to their van and stole her purse. Even though she kind of had it hidden under the seat, they still were able to find her purse. There's this big thing that's been going on for a number of years with catalytic converters. I don't know what they are. Andrew, you probably know what they are. You made me put a few on. Where, where they actually, within 30 seconds, can get into your vehicle, cut the converter off, and steal it from you because they're worth a lot of money. Good news is, so what I heard last week, is that they just arrested a big gang, a ring of people who are responsible for these thefts. Carjacking. you got to be careful. Carjacking. And the, the violent actions that take place either with guns or with, with physical abuse when stealing your vehicle. Probably... Uh, most known to us are things like bank robberies, postal worker being robbed just in this past week in Chicago, and um, at gunpoint asking for the mail that he's had. Kidnapping is a form of stealing. Robbing the store, a, a clerk in the past two weeks in Chicago was killed by a robber. And this one you might not often think about as thievery or stealing, but when a woman is robbed of her virginity violently. It's a form of stealing. All these are forms of forceful stealing, taking without consent what belongs to someone else. There's secret stealing, there's forceful stealing. This third kind of stealing that I want to talk about, I want to make sure you pay attention to because probably both of these, we sometimes forget are forms of stealing or theft. One form of neglectful stealing is when we rob the poor and the needy. Say, rob the poor and the needy? Why would I rob the poor and the needy? They don't have anything that I could have. Neglectful stealing, robbing the poor and the needy, that is when, when we neglect to share with them what God has given to us. It's called one form of neglectful stealing. And the Bible is very pointed regarding this. Let, let me share just a few passages. First of all, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, where the author writes, If anyone is poor among you and your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend to them whatever they need. Romans chapter 12, verse 11, speaking now to the church in Rome. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Ephesians 4, verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands. And what's the motivation behind it? That they may have something to share with those in need. Our church phone here will ring weekly for sure of people who have needs. Some of them are poor, most of them are needy, and they're asking for help. You know, I'm thankful to God that in every church that I have served, we have, as we do here at Community, we have a fund called a Benevolent Fund. And a Benevolent Fund is simply put together to say we're willing to help people who are in need of special help, and, and usually, specifically, monetary help. And I'm thankful that so many of you give to this fund, and that this fund continues to remain very healthy. Because that's one way of not stealing, since we're supposed to use what God has given us to be a blessing to them. 
There's other ways that, that we help as well, and these are just a, a small list of offerings uh, that, that we take for, for ministries that are in need and to help people. And we've probably missed one, two, or three of them, but I just want you to take a look. For those of you who give faithfully to help the needy and the poor, benevolently, these are a number of ministries that when the deacons take a collection and offering, like for the second offering, that we support. That being said, I, I'm going to challenge, trust someone this morning to say, are you a part of this? Do, do you give money to the benevolent fund? Do you give money when this second offering is passed to specific needs, ministry needs, where we can help the poor and the needy? Or could it be that in this case you say, well, wow, I guess I've been stealing from them, even robbing from them. This thing called neglective and neglectful stealing, breaking of the eighth commandment and maybe you got to take some time today and, and repent of this kind of neglectful stealing another way of neglectful stealing is even I would think more difficult to identify is uh, well, when we rob God rob God stealing from God are you kidding me how possibly could I be stealing from God. We know from the scriptures that everything we own belongs to God, right? You get that, right? What is it? The earth is the Lord's and, and everything in it, the world and they that dwell therein. I think that's Psalm 24. Everything belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to him. He says, I'm giving it to you. Now be a steward of whatever I give you, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot. It all belongs to God. So have that understanding first, and it'll, it'll help us to understand more how we can rob God of what is rightfully his. That passage that I read this morning from Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, uh, first of all, God comes to the people of Israel. And, um, yeah, they were withholding. They were, they, were, they were robbing God. They were withholding their tithes. And, and that particular day, that they actually had a 10% tithe of, of their crops, then they had a 10% um, of their uh, monies as well, went to fund the three great religious feasts, then there was 10% that went to the poor. So they had three different 10% offerings to help the poor and the needy. And at this point in their history, it wasn't happening. And so God came through the prophet Malachi with a challenge. Listen to what he says to Israel. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me. Now, he's talking specifically here now about returning to me in your practice of giving. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how are we to return? And the answer from Malachi is, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. In other words, the, the, the land was under a curse and the crops were not coming like they used to come because God would hold his blessing. You withhold what you need to bless people with, I will withhold my blessing from you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Here's the challenge that there may be food in my house. 
Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I not will throw open the floodgates of heaven that will pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You see, Israel was withholding their tithes from the Lord. They were being neglectful in their giving and being accused of neglectful stealing. And God cursed the ground because of it. And God's simple word to them was, will a man rob God? And it's worth to Malachi, but simply stop it. You're stealing from me. You're robbing from me. I gave you this land and the crops so that you could be a blessing for those working in the temple, the priests and the Levites, that you can be a blessing when we have these three great religious feasts of the year, that there's crops and resources available, and that when you have the poor and the needy among you, that other 10%, that you can care for them. Stop withholding. Bring the whole tithe. And then he says, test me in this. Test me in this, and I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing on you, you won't know what to do with it anymore. You'll have to build bigger barns. Sad news is Israel didn't listen. They didn't respond. Neglectful stealing, another way that we... Now, in today, around here with us here at community, can be guilty of when it comes to stealing is when, when and how we give. And this, of course, is specifically regarding offerings. The Old Testament, the tithe was brought, and the New Testament, and the tithe was 10% and 10% and 10%. New Testament doesn't talk about tithing. It talks more about giving. And the difference between tithe and an offering is Tithing was 10%, 10%, 10%. Giving is God says, I want it all. It's not being greedy, but you bring your all back to me. This whole idea of neglectful stealing, when we rob God by how we respond when offerings are taken. And these offerings, similar to, to Israel's offerings, Israel's offerings was to help take care of the priests and the Levites, those involved with the temple worship. We bring offerings as well for the ministries here at Community Church, not just church, but for God's kingdom. Our church right now, as you heard from the letter you received, but we're, the deficit is a little bit larger than what the council is comfortable with. We're still good. We'll go through the end of the year and into the new year. But it's just a little bit larger than what it normally is this time of the year. And the council and the finance team is seeking to bring this to our attention regarding offerings that are brought in. Now, they want to say a great, great thank you. There are so many of you who give faithfully, who give willingly. Whenever a need arises, you give back to God what he has given to you. And there are some that they want to thank for as well who really get the grace of giving. There are some who not just give what would be expected. But they've been blessed with the grace of giving. It's really a gift 
where they give more than what they really are expecting because it's that spiritual gift that they have. And so they first want to say thank you to those who are so faithful in bringing the offering. And yet they, they, they want to bring a challenge to, to some of us who give a little, some who give nothing. And this passage from Malachi and this message about neglectful stealing comes to us. And I think that that same language that Malachi uses, he says, listen, will you rob God of what he gave to you so that you could be a blessing to others? Will a person rob God? Stop withholding the offering. You say, well, yeah, you know, Pastor, economic times are tough right now. And they are. Now they are. Yes, man, I was going to go fill up again on Friday, and I thought the day before it was still like at 389 or something. And I, I saw this sign that it said 439 now. I said, what? Overnight again? Gas prices are high. Food prices are higher. And those who are on what some call a fixed budget, it's really hurting them. We get that. We get that. But even in the worst of times economically, that does not give us the right or the willingness to withhold what we have from God. Some of you can't give a lot, and we know that, and we understand that. But every single person who is a Christian is required to bring an offering. And if you neglect it, that's something you may have to repent about. Paul's word to the church in Corinth uh, was a, just a powerful word of encouragement because they were having an issue. The area churches are doing very well in their giving to, to Paul's ministry and the like. But the church in Corinth was kind of just holding off a little bit. And so he writes to the church in Corinth and he says, listen, I'm going to bring a word of encouragement about being faithful and willingly to bring an offering. And listen to these words uh, that he brings to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you want a pattern of giving, listen to what these verses say. Now he says, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Did you get those three parts of, you say, I need a, I need a business plan, I need a giving plan. Paul says, hey, it's really simple. First, it's planned. First day of the week. I'm, I was brought up, as many of you were, with, with, it said once you got your check or once you got whatever money, the first thing you put aside is not money for the phone bill, not money for the, for the internet bill, not money for the cable bill. You put money aside that you're going to give to the Lord on that Sunday. That's a good pattern. On the first day of the week, Paul says, do this. Secondly, he says, each one of you, not those of you who have money and more than, than what you need to share, but each one of you, no matter what, or how much money you make, each one of you is to bring an offering. And you don't all bring the same offering. I remember growing up as a child, I would see these budget envelopes in the church I grew up in. And then they would have some announcement in the bulletin that said something like, and each family member, let's just say, is to bring $100 a week. And that's how they made their budget. You think that was fair? Not at all. That's why the Bible says percentage giving 
Each one of you, in keeping with their level of income, bring an offering. That's biblical. We here at Community are still continuing to build a culture when it, regarding giving of joyful generosity. If your response to this message is going to be, oh, there it goes again, although I haven't preached a lot on, on these kind of messages. There it goes again. They're, they're asking for money, and, and now I'm going to have to give. No, don't give if that's your attitude. That's giving begrudgedly, right? Don't give because you have to. The Bible talks about in the New Testament giving willfully and cheerfully, joining us as members of community church. God has blessed us in this congregation in so many ways. And we want all of us to participate in building a culture of joyful generosity. Every single one of you doing your part, whether you make a little or whether you make a lot. We, we want the grace of giving that Paul talked about to the church in Corinth to be evident in all of us. So I want you to go home today. And the, the council wants you to go home today. And they want you to make this a matter of prayer. Could you just review right now your giving pattern? The level of income you have, whatever money comes in, whatever money goes out, could you just take a look at, at what your budget is per se at this time in your life, what your giving pattern is? And if need be, some of us need to do some repenting. You're stealing. Neglectful giving. Will a man rob God? This is between you and God now, not between you and me or anyone else. Am I robbing God of the offering that I'm supposed to bring? And I trust that God will bring you to a point that, that you will repent, if need be, and stop stealing from God, and commit, and if need be, recommit yourself to be a regular giver of your gifts to God. God says, if you give, remember Malachi? Give in this way. In fact, the reason maybe you're not being blessed is because you're withholding the offering. He says, bring your offering. Bring the whole offering to me. Test me in this. And I will open the floodgates of heaven and I will bless you like I've never blessed you before. Now, a prosperity preacher is going to take that and make it the prosperity gospel. Don't believe that for a minute. He may not bless you financially. God doesn't work that way. He might. But he can bless you in so many other ways. And for those of us who give faithfully, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when you give, and when you give faithfully and cheerfully, when you understand the grace of giving, when you understand joyful generosity, we could have one person after another come up here behind this pulpit and to say, let me share with you how God has blessed me because I gave. And God will. I promise you that. So join us. May all of us uh, just hear this challenge this morning. Let's try to get that deficit built down a little bit, can we? And maybe recommit ourselves, if need be, to being a faithful giver of what God has given to us. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. It's not always an easy word to bring. But we're often accused as, as, as a church and churches that we've uh, got to be careful of when we have to bring a challenge about bringing an offering. And yet we know that Jesus talked about money more than he talked about anything else. And we're, we're so appreciative of the challenges in the scriptures about the need and the necessity and the command to bring our offerings to the Lord. Help us all, Lord, to do a heart search, a mind search. Help us to look at our, our, our budgets, our level of giving. 
And only by the power of your word and your spirit may, if need be, you can change us in our attitude and in our practice so that we too can all participate as one church in joyful generosity as we seek to build your church and your kingdom, not only here in Roselawn, but throughout the nation and the world. In Jesus' name, amen.